Doug Tyrrell History and Comment is available weekdays on iHeartRadio. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Monday, the 22nd day of January, 2024. The Saxon king, Athelred I, is defeated in battle with the Danelaw Vikings in 871. This is not a decisive battle as the two sides fought several battles in rapid succession. The outcome was about even. Scottish-born ship's captain William Kidd is born in 1645. A skilled sailor, he was recruited by the governor of New York to hunt down a list of known pirates. That's in 1695. His letter of mark is personally signed by King William III. Kidd's voyage was hardly successful, but his greatest sin was first refusing a British naval ship's press to his crew. British naval ships could press or draft crews from other ships. The letter of mark should have prevented this, but it did not. When Kidd slipped away under the cover of darkness, the British officer accused him of being a pirate. Then he captured a French ship with a British captain, further muddying the waters. London will declare him a notorious pirate. Kidd will be captured, tried, and convicted as such. The politicians who had backed him were nowhere to be found, and his trial was a sham. The English Parliament steps in in 1698 to determine if King James had vacated the thrones of England and Ireland when he moved to France the month before. Essentially, he had, and the 23rd of December, 1688, is the end of his reign. James II of England was embroiled in a struggle to determine where the power lay. Was it with Parliament or with the king? James was of the opinion, as were many of the kings, that they ruled by divine right. That is the official term. What is meant was, God put me here. Parliament was more of the mindset of consent of the governed, or the people get the final word. Wilbur Scoville was born on this day in 1865, trained as a chemist. His first claim to fame was as author, his first claim to fame was as author of The Art of Compounding, which was an esteemed reference through the 1960s. I wonder if my wife Joy had a copy. She collected a few old pharmacy books. In one edition is the first reference to milk as an antidote to peppers. Scoville will also develop the Scoville organoleptic test. Today, it's known simply as the Scoville scale, which rates chili peppers on a scale from zero to 2,693,000 for pepper X. The original tests were based on a test panel. An exact amount of dried pepper was mixed with alcohol to extract the capsaicin compounds, then diluted in a sugar-water solution. It was diluted down until a majority of the panel could no longer taste it. The test was an attempt to quantify the level of heat, but people's ability to test pepper is highly variable. Today, more technical laboratory methods are used. Personally, I'm not a big fan of pepper heat and highly intolerant to bitter. My favorites are raw bell peppers of the orange or yellow variety. They are Scoville Zero. Jalapenos are still low on the scale at up to 10,000. Tabascos are 50,000 and should be approached with great caution. The United Mine Workers of America is founded in 1890. I have to be careful here 
My background has been in small business and entrepreneurship. Usually, a strong union mindset is incompatible with that. Now granted, in the 19th century, most industrial settings were laborious and, frankly, bad working conditions, if not outright dangerous. Unions did provide some relief, but they also introduced another layer of politics. I think the one point that concerns me is that unions have a tendency to protect the underperforming and reduce everyone to the average. I was talking to a friend the other day and the subject of a local, long-defunct factory came up. He had first-hand knowledge of the closure. It was a union shop that closed after a protracted strike. He filled in the details that while some of the employees, who were all on piecework, were making in excess of the desired rate, there was a large portion that were making 50% or less. Now, why was the union tolerating that? At the root is the misguided idea that across a large group, you can apply uniform and fast rules. Ideally, no work situation would have more than two levels, top management and workers. Once you add a third level, things get messed up. Douglas Corrigan was born in 1907. He, like many folks in that period, was fascinated with flying. He was quite skilled as a pilot and mechanic of aircraft. He made several cross-country flights and wanted to attempt a crossing of the Atlantic, but officials would not approve the plan. He made a California to New York flight and returned. Federal officials were a constant hassle and kept upping the requirements for the airplane. In July of 1938, he again took off for New York City and, quote, returned. He refueled and took off in near darkness. There certainly was some turned heads as airport authorities instructed him to use runway 06 or slightly east-northeast, as opposed to one in a more westerly direction. Corrigan claims he did not realize the error of flying east for most of the transatlantic flight, landing in Ireland just over 28 hours later. He never admitted the error was intentional. Officials sent him a 600-word telegram detailing his rule-breaking and suspending his license for 14 days. It expired just before he arrived back in the States by ship. America enters World War I in 1917, despite calls from President Woodrow Wilson for peace without victory. That is almost an impossibility. One side is usually, if not universally, an aggressor. To draw a line and call things even ignores that fact. Vietnam was ended on much the same ideal, and you can see that outcome, at least on the surface. In fact, the Viet Cong were defeated, and we were nice and wanted out badly. The stalemate would have held if the anti-war party in Congress had not reneged on our promise to continue to provide military hardware to the South. Korea might be a better example. While the North has lived a couple of generations under their benevolent leaders nearly worshiping them while they are living in near poverty. Yet, he continues to tell them how wonderful they have it, and the United States is a feared enemy. The forerunner to the CIA, or Central Intelligence Agency, is created in 1946. The first commercial television station west of the Mississippi River begins broadcasting in 1937 with the call letters KTLA in Hollywood. In the classic rock era of the 70s and 80s, and maybe beyond, 
There certainly are talented musicians who can do amazing things on guitars and such. But maybe the most unique in vocal talent is Steve Perry of Journey. Steve's parents split, and he and his mother stayed with his grandparents on their dairy farm in California's Central Valley. He took an interest in music early, and in his 20s tried to get a couple of bands off the ground, but could not get a record deal. He was about to completely give up on the idea when the manager of Journey sought him out. His mother insisted he give it a try. The rest is history. The high tenor is considered one of the best voices in popular music. Today, he celebrates birthday number 75. Israel tries the first round of Land for Peace in 1957, just nine years after they gained independence. They returned the Sinai Peninsula to Egypt. But the fight was more involved than just mean little Israel being mean to their friendly Arab neighbors. Egypt was creating a naval blockade of ports on the Red Sea and had closed the Suez Canal. France, you will call, had interest in the area prior to 1947. They wanted control of the canal back. 1968, the Apollo program is in full swing. Apollo 5 lifts off carrying the first lunar module. The goal was to test the LM engines in space and determine if they could be restarted. Apollo 5 was an unmanned mission. The Boeing 747 enters commercial service in 1970, a couple weeks less than a year after its first flight. The initial customer was Pan American Airways. The maiden voyage was from JFK to London's Heathrow Airport. In total, 1,574 of the jumbo jets were built the last just 14 months ago. Today, large jets are used almost exclusively in cargo service. United Parcel has 41 in their fleet, FedEx none. Atlas Air, a cargo company flying for a variety of customers, has the largest fleet at 49, including the last one built. 1973, the Supreme Court issues its now-reversed Roe v. Wade decision, making abortion legal in all 50 states. The first Apple Macintosh computer is introduced during the Super Bowl in 1984. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict goes another round in 1995. Two gentlemen from Gaza wearing suicide bombs blow themselves and 19 Israeli soldiers up. Folks, this is not considered fair tactics. The Cold War is over with its associated space race in 1998. The space shuttle Endeavour docks with the Russian space station Mir. 2009, President Obama tries to close the Guantanamo Bay detention camp. The isolated U.S. base on the island of Cuba is used for a variety of functions. Holding combatants from the war on terror is the one Obama wanted to end. There have been 729 detainees released. Nearly one-third have re-engaged in the conflict. Folks, they hate us and our support for Israel. That's history and comment for the 22nd day of January. I'm Doug Terrell. Now... Go do something worth remembering.